Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for the Wichita State Shocker Men's Basketball Coaches Show with your head coach, Greg Marshall, presented by your hometown Chevy dealers. Now let's go live to AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley at the corner of 13th and Greenwich Road with the voice of the Shockers, Mike Kennedy. Good evening and welcome to AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley and the Greg Marshall Show, which we haven't had too many of recently. Shockers traveling on Mondays and uh, all those kinds of things. So anyway... Glad to have you with us. Glad to have you here. Uh, if you've got sound issues, there's nothing I can do about it. Sorry, we'll keep working on it. Uh, anyway, glad to have you with us. And uh, some of the Monday stuff that happens, Wichita State in the polls today, number 23 in AP and number 22 in the coaches' poll. They were also number 20 in CBS's own poll that came out earlier in the day. So moving back into the top 25 in all the polls, Shockers come off two wins on the road at USF on Tuesday and at home over UCF. And, Coach, going back to those games last week for a moment, uh, USF, a game that came after a, a couple of subpar offensive performances, and did you feel like that game your guys started to get back to what you were working on as far as trying to run the offense, trying to execute, and then maybe expanded on that by the UCF game? Yeah, I think we were a little better, uh, not completely um, where we need to be, but we're never going to have a perfect game offensively for sure. So, uh, we we kind of spread the floor a little bit and started driving it some. Um, got some pretty good performances and one in a place where we we really struggled last year. Uh, that, that's a very good defensive team, South Florida, and uh, they're very tough. But we dominated the glass and uh, you know basically won by double digits and going away at the end. And you mentioned the comparison to the year before when they were just taking the ball away from you and so forth. Certainly took not only took better care of it, but just had a, a better sense of the strength that it takes to, to do that against them. Yeah, they, they uh, Collins and Rideau do a wonderful job of stealing the basketball from the, from the ball handler as well as not just denying the pass to the guy that they're guarding, but coming off a second guy to steal a pass to the to to not, not a different person, so they tried that two or three times, and instead of throwing it to him, which we had done in the past, we read the situation, passed over that um, uh, denial, and right to an open receiver. Dexter got a wide open jump shot on on one of those plays. Uh, they tried to steal an inbounds pass to to JB when we had gone one four flat, and. That's one of our first baskets of the game, and I think it was JB's only basket where he stuck it in the hole after they gambled. And something else that's a little bit unique about them, you don't see that many teams do it that much, but they'll they'll try to hang around and slip in there and knock the ball loose from a rebounder. And I thought your guys, when they cleared rebounders, protected it, took care of it, and then it got the outlet after they were yeah, sure they got yeah, it. Yeah, they're, they're very aggressive. And, uh Good hands, good, just you know, similar to guys we've had in the past that really just kind of take the ball from you, and you just got to be on point. You can't be real casual. You have to be, and and we d- we did that very well, t- taking care of the basketball, rebounding the basketball, securing it with two hands, and 
then in the UCF game, uh, boy, that was an unbelievable game. We, we shot 42 free throws. I mean, the game took forever. Uh, it just like it was never going to end. But we had many chances to pull away, and they just kept making plays. And we made some errors to allow them to stick around. And that was two, three times. Uh, but in the end, you know, they never got it below four. They got it to four one time. And I never felt like we were going to lose the game, but just I would have loved to have gotten a more workable margin so I could have played some different guys. And it was it was good to see, in a way, certainly giving up 79, I know it didn't please you at all, but good to see your team score 87 again after three straight games in the 50s and just get the feel of, of putting some points on the board again. Yeah, we actually held them to 17 points uh, in the first 17 and a half minutes, and in the next 22 and a half minutes, they scored 62 points. So that's way too many. It was an odd game because their bigs got in foul trouble, so they really went small. And, you know, you have the two choices there. You can try to go small with them, which means we take our big guys out. But I, I didn't do that. Uh, I generally stayed with Jamie or Mo in the game and let them guard the point guard, literally, because he, he wasn't a great shooter. And uh, just pick him up as he drives in towards the foul line, and they – he never scored on those two guys. He did score three times on Trey Wade. So um, it worked out having a bigger guy on him. You know, and, and talking about your offensive execution and performance, I know that going in, you really expected to see quite a bit of zone. And so they kind of surprised you by not playing very much at all. And, and so that was a little bit of an adjustment for your guys. Well, you know, I talked to my staff about that, and I talked to the team about it. I said they, they thought they could guard you man-to-man because they have seen us on offense the last three nights, the last three games, and um, their forte is, is zone. But they said, okay, we, we think we can stop them. We've seen other teams stop them, and, you know, we score 89 points. So we got to the foul line quite a bit. They were they were probably fouling a little more than they, were, they wanted to, and, um, you know, we – we uh, shot the ball well. I thought Dexter was tremendous shooting the ball and driving it. But, um, you know, we turned the ball over three times in the second half that resulted in what I call atomic bombs, and, and that wasn't good. That was part of a reason why we couldn't push it over 20 and kind of put the game away. But all in all, you know, again, so it's a win. In the end of the day, it's 17 wins and three losses, and sometimes you play a little better uh, in losses and, and worse play a little worse and wins but the, the key is just to finish with one more point than the other team going into the south florida game you had been out rebounded in five of the previous six games it wasn't by a lot in virtually every case and it wasn't even that, that significant in a couple the memphis game i think they had two or three more but you had enough offensive rebounds you really kind of won that battle but nevertheless you out rebounded south florida by seven and then 17 or 18 more than uh, than ucf the other night. yeah just you know, I hate getting out-rebounded, man. I, and and more, more importantly than that, I hate when the other team is quicker and faster and more uh, hungry to, to obtain those loose balls. So getting back to, you know, pounding them on the glass, and we were, we were, that was a key for us to extend our lead in the first half was to get a lot of second and third chance opportunities. You're listening to Shocker head coach Greg Marshall. The Shockers number 22 and 23 in the nation at 17 and 3. And we'll continue from AJ's in just a moment.
Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show as we talk Shocker basketball with the head coach, Wichita State, coming off two wins last week, just one game this week at Tulsa, which we will talk about at some length as the show goes on. That's a 5 o'clock tip on Saturday. And, Coach, you've been in that time of the year when first semester ended. You didn't have classes for the guys, so you had a chance to practice a little more. But you also, right after Christmas, had a, a pretty whirlwind stretch of games, a long road trip to, to UConn and Temple. Games come in pretty fast. So is the timing pretty good to have this week to, to really kind of work on some things, maybe fine-tune some things a little bit? Yeah, I, I like the, the time to get better you know we like uh, yesterday was a day off Sunday and then uh, Wednesday is going to be a day off but today was some video it was a put get the scout team ready with Tulsa's offense it was um, work on Tulsa's zone and, and their two-thirds court pressure that they imply um, and then um, tomorrow will be a regular practice and then Thursday Friday will be the two to get ready and before we head down there on Friday evening. So they're in first place. I uh, watched them yesterday beat uh, UConn at UConn, um, playing really well. And they, their, their zone is, is a different type of zone. It's, they basically play 30-something minutes of zone. So you just got to attack it, and you've got to make shots. Um, Igbanu had a career high yesterday. Their center, I think he went for like 28 points. He had a double-double, so he was a dominant force in that game. You know, one of the things you mentioned after Saturday's game that was going to certainly get some attention uh, in one of your practices, either today or tomorrow, was your organization getting back in transition defense and picking guys up, and you were going to have them do some sprinting back and finding people and and uh, so I know that was an emphasis coming into this week. Well, today I had them sprinting just because we weren't sprinting <laughs> during the game. So we did a little sprinting today just as a reminder that you must sprint during the game and communicate and try to get back and not celebrate too much when you make a basket or a nice play because that other team is really pushing it at you. Now, Tulsa's not one that does that, but there are a lot of teams that we play that do. And Central Florida, scoring 67 points in the last 22 and a half minutes, there was a lot of times when we would score, and then four seconds later, they're scoring. So it's just, again, a little bit of immaturity from a very, very young team. And so you have to try to you know get their attention. My mom used to pinch me on the back of the arm. I mean, we'd be in the grocery store or something, and I'd be misbehaving, and all of a sudden I'd get that clamp on the back of my arm, and I said, "Okay, what do you need me to do? I'll, I'm going to straighten up here." But uh, so a couple of sprints today, just to remind them, and after showing them how we have to be more diligent in our attention to detail, getting back in transition defense. Might mention, uh, Coach mentioned earlier how well Dexter played, and uh, Dexter Dennis is on the American Conference honor roll this week. Actually, the player of the week is Martin Zigbanu, the uh, young man that Coach just mentioned from Tulsa, who we'll be facing on Saturday. But Dexter averaged 15 points and eight rebounds in the two games last week, shot about 44% from three, and just more and more is starting to look like his old self, looking comfortable, looking confident. Uh, had a big second half shooting the ball at USF earlier in the week. Yeah, shooting it, I think, in league play now at 40% from three. And remember how he was struggling shooting the basketball. And what I like is um, he, he had double-digit rebounds. And 
The biggest thing is he's starting to put the ball on the floor more aggressively, and and now he's going to get to the foul line some. And I just have to challenge him to finish strong. He's so athletic. He's so long. He's so bouncy. I told him, when you go in there, be angry. Be be uh, be vertical. Be, jump as high as you can and, and be kind of want to hurt the rim when you throw the basketball through the, the hoop. But um, it's, it's that's the one time that he's not really athletic is when he gets around the basket, kind of gets small. So he's working on that. He's, that's not his strength, but he's becoming way better at it. And I know you mentioned it was it was uh, on our post game show. I saw it in print afterward that you mentioned to him. Certainly, there is the possibility of the NBA in the future, but that's the one part of his game that that's really got to get there if he wants to play at that level. Yeah, and, and exactly what I told him was, you know, you aspire to do that. I know, I know that, and I think that you can ultimately get to that level, but not unless you start attacking that rim because dudes at that level. When they attack the rim, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's a little red in their eyes, and there's some vengeance when they come down with one hand, two hands, whatever, and they, they, they take people with them to the hoop. And at the very minimum, they're going to get two free throws. And at near the end of the game, he made a play where he beat his man, saw there was nobody rotating under, and that was the kind of finish I know exactly that you were talking about. Challenge accepted. That's what I told him. <laughs> I said, after the, the game, you accepted the challenge, and that's the type of move that we're talking about. He did get a nice uh, switch on the, on the out-of-bounds play, and he, he was able to get a guy that was guarding him that couldn't really stay in front of him, and well, he just attacked that rim. Just, I told him, bite the rim, man. Go just bite it. One other uh, player I wanted to mention from especially Saturday's game who had certainly been off his game a little bit, and I don't think people realized that he was not by any means 100% physically Eric Stevenson who had struggled over about three games. And you would said that he told you Thursday in practice or Friday that he was feeling the best he had in a while, and I, I thought he certainly looked closer to himself. Yeah, he, he Something with his hips. He's got an issue with his hips, and he's been working with a physical therapist here in town, and uh, he, he's doing a lot of stretching and seeing the doctors. And I think it came down to he was just moving better because at South Florida he did not move very well at all. But then Saturday against um, Central Florida, he looked more like the, the Eric that you know had a great first half of the year. And we anticipating having a very good second half of the year. And uh, you just got to make sure he's taking great shots and he's stay healthy, number one, take great shots. And just he's a tremendous passer. He threw a nice lob over the top for Jaime early in the game for an easy deuce. And, um, you know, we need him. His, his defense has improved, and uh, he's a big part of what we're doing. And I thought that Grant had one of his best games on Saturday. And, and he's had several, but certainly leading the team, making the right plays. Then he was quoted afterward as saying something about you got to feed, we got to feed our shooters. And, yeah. and certainly he's doing better at that. Yeah, he, he, he's, first of all, he, you know, he's halfway through his freshman year, but he's really had an impact on our season. And I love the fact that he had a great floor game. He had six assists. Saturday, he was lobbing it to the big guys. He was penetrating in and dumping it off to the big guys. He was finding the shooters. He was pushing, pushing the ball a little better in transition, getting us some open baskets. He did the same thing at South Florida during the week. So 
a lot of good things from that freshman combo of he, Tyson, Etienne. Uh, they, they look like really, two really good guards. And I'm telling you, Noah Fernandez can play too. He just He's waiting on his opportunity. And speaking of that, I was going to ask you to address this because people watch and they, you know, they, they wonder sometimes, well, how come so-and-so didn't play or how come so-and-so isn't playing more? And you get to this stage of the season, it's a lot about matchups and in individual games and, and what lineups work against certain opponents. And then also you, even though you've certainly mentioned many times, you've got 12 scholarship players healthy and suited up who can play and who can help you on a given night, but you can't play all of them in every game and certainly not a lot of minutes in every game. Yeah, those people that complain about those type things, I want them to get a team and then call me for scheduling and you guys <laughs> just play everybody on your roster and I'm going to play my top eight, eight guys and, and we'll see what happens, you know. And it's amazing how many people want to talk about folks that don't participate. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the people who do participate. And it's nothing against those guys, and I continually apologize to them about not being able to get them enough minutes or even get them in the game. Uh, poor Bear didn't play the other night. And, you know, I feel bad. I, I'd, I'd love to get them in. But at the same time, we have to go with guys that are playing well. And Jaime has been pretty doggone good at the five and – Asbjorn uh, played a little bit the other night. He was good other than his free throws. He made three very good defensive plays. But then you got Grant and JB at the point, and just how deep can you go? Um, I think I was 33 years old when I became a head coach for the first time, and the, some of the best advice I got from one of my mentors, he said, now you understand, now everybody knows how to do your job better than you do. <laughs> and you can't you can't please everyone all the time. So I took that as a 33-year-old and said, okay, you know, we're going to sink or swim here, but it's going to be my way, and, and that's just the way it's got to be. And you can't try to please everyone. And you see them every day in practice, too, and you work against that particular team. You're playing stuff, and you know which guys maybe fit the best at, at playing in the, against that system and so forth. Yeah, I thought Asbjorn, because of the size that, that uh, Central Florida has, just from a – honestly, from a uh, – uh, I don't know how to, to describe it, but last year is where his sophomore season kind of took off against Central Florida and Taco Fall. So for sentimental reasons, <laughs> I wanted to give him a shot against uh, the big guy Smith and then uh, whatever the other kid's name was. D oh, yeah, I Diggs. Diggs. He, didn't, he hardly four fouls in the first half. He, he didn't play enough. I couldn't catch his name. <laughs> but he, and he had four fouls in the first half. But the, the, he is big. So Asburn pinned his shot that one time with both hands and just did a very good job. But he's got to make free throws. So – you know, when he when we get in the bonus, I can't play he or Mo. I told him that. I'm not going to play you if, if I don't have to when we get in the bonus because of your free throw shooting. We will continue with Shocker head coach Greg Marshall from AJ's Sports Grill at the Alley. But first, you're going to hear from our sponsors for just a little bit. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show, Wichita State. Again, if you did not hear earlier, number 23 in this week's AP poll, number 22 in the coaches. Shockers now 5-2 and two in the American Conference and 17-3 and three overall. So seven games into an 18-game conference schedule. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And 
Coach, we, we talk a lot about it's, it's even tougher winning in your conference, winning on the road in your conference. And I don't know if people have noticed, but where you really start to see that is people just become so familiar with you, what, what you look like, what you run. They'll even hear them calling out your plays from their bench sometimes. And we're starting to see it, for instance, with Tyson Etienne. People have obviously noticed that he is a great catch-and-shoot guy. They're a lot of times trying to assign a bigger, taller defender to kind of close that space a little bit and get up in his face. We've done the same thing with Eric Stevenson. Uh, it just – there's very little secrets at this point in the year. You know, you're playing teams once, twice. You've played them twice or three times the previous year. Um, so the trickery's gone. I, I, that's why I love non-conference. And over the years, we've been, we've been really good in the non-conference because some of our sets and things, we can, we've got a little thing we can turn to to get an easy basket from time to time. But you don't get as many in, in conference play, and it just becomes a, a grind-out, you know, breakdown basketball. And then it be, just players got to make plays. Players have to make shots, and, and players have to be you know, physically imposing on the glass and with their will to – to get loose balls and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of the hardest things to do is win college basketball games on the road because of so the, the intimacy of most places and the fans are against you and it seems like the referees are against you and, you know, you're sleeping in a foreign bed and you're, you're, just your routine is a little different. But I, I obviously we like playing in Coke Arena, but you have to play half of them on the road. And one of the other things certainly we're seeing, besides that attention to the shooters that you mentioned, uh, Jamie's seeing double teams pretty much every time he catches it. And just a matter whether it's going to come from a guard dropping down or it's going to be the monster where the other post comes. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, he's getting better at handling that. Um, he certainly prefers not to have to deal with it. And we would prefer him not to have to deal with it because he is a pretty good scorer down there. But uh they they send the, the monster down, and he's got to be able to make sure. Like the other night, uh, excuse me, uh, Saturday against Central Florida, he got a ball, and he was trying to kick it out, and it got deflected, and then he got it back, and then they knocked it out of his hands, and then he somehow he got it back, and then he turned, and there's Trey right under the basket, and he got the ball to Trey for the dunk. But it was not a, a, a very uh, aesthetically pleasing play as a coach, but he did get the job done. But twice they knocked the ball out of his hands. We get, we get a call frequently about uh, your postman passing the ball and, and picking up some assists and, and like kicking the ball back out to shooters. Who's and so we forth get a call? On our radio pregame oh. show. So. so I just thought I would, uh, I'd ask you about that. How do you feel? Is that something that uh, is still one of the things that could certainly get better? Your, your post guys catching and making quick decisions as to whether they can make a play or kick it back out. Absolutely, yeah. They, they, they're, they're just okay at that. They're not, they're not even good. They're just a little above average maybe at passing the ball out of the post. And uh, Jamie's got these real long fingers. I mean, I mean, they're literally like Edward Scissorhands, and he, he's, and he holds the ball sometimes in the very end of those fingers. So it's not like he's just really trying to take the air out of the basketball. He has a very light grip on it, but he also is pretty highly skilled. So, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. We're trying to strengthen his hands, and we've got him doing exercises and squeezing balls and all those things. But... 
he is what he is at this point, but he's pretty good. And do you feel like he, one of the things he does do a pretty good job of, at times anyway, is recognizing, okay, the double team's coming, so I've got to make a little quicker move and get the shot off before that second guy gets it. I think it. what he's done the best is, and Trey has helped him with this, Trey has become a very good, when we throw the ball into the post, the other post player, which is the foreman, is supposed to dive quickly to the opposite block for offensive rebounding and hopefully for some dump-down passes because when teams do monster, what they generally do, they, they double-team the ball, where Jamie has it, the ball, and then they put a guy right under the basket and a guy right at the, uh, the free-throw line at the nail. And then the fifth guy just kind of roams and picks up or whatever, the, the skip pass out. But you, what we try to do is beat the guy to the, to the basket. And Trey's done a really good job. In fact, we did it against Central Florida. They double-teamed Jamie. Trey dove. They, they threw it to him, and I think he got to the foul line. Yeah, and I mentioned closing out quickly on Tyson. He does a really good job of having his feet set ready to shoot, but when they're really coming at him, he is starting to take it by them occasionally. Now it seems like the, the next chore is to finish when he, when he gets by somebody and pulls up. That, that's the biggest thing. He's, he's got to learn the in-between game. He's got to pull up. He's got to do a floater. He's got to do something. And uh, you know, that's, that's what teams have done. They've forced us into taking some tough, contested, difficult not practiced two-point shots, and that's the scouting. That's the intimacy that other teams then have of your individuals, but we have of their individuals too. That's why it becomes a kind of a slugfest at times. And certainly one of the exciting prospects is the way Dex is starting to play again because with his ability to shoot it from out there or take it and pull up in the lane or, or take it all the way, it really expands your offense and, and draws a lot of attention away from some of your other potential scorers. Yeah, well, he, I think, he, again, he's shooting 40% on some stat I saw today. I think it's in conference three-point shots. And uh, as we know, he couldn't hit a basket for three or four games in a row. And now he's back to looking more like uh, the decks from last year and the decks that we thought we were going to see in the fall and into the, into the first part of the season. Well, we are going to talk about Saturday's game with Tulsa. That's always a fun rivalry for Shocker fans. Big challenge this week, and we'll address that with Coach Marshall when we come back. Welcome back to the Greg Marshall Show from AJ Sports Grill at the Alley. And... After only being here once in the last five weeks because of travel and holidays and so forth, it is going to be a little more regular thing now for the next few weeks, so make plans to come out and join us from 6 to 7. I hope some of you are also making plans to travel to Tulsa this weekend. And uh, a gentleman who was here this evening just came by and showed me a map of their arena and said there are still lots of good seats available through StubHub.com and GeekSeats.com. He bought seven, and they're in row five right behind the Shocker bench. So, um, so good opportunities. And one of the really cool things that's happened, 
since the Shockers have been in this conference. Two years ago, Wichita State went to Tulsa coming from a game at ECU, and it was a Saturday game, and we didn't know of how many Shocker fans might come down. That arena was full, which it isn't very often, and at least half, if not a little more than half, were Shocker fans, and that was a, a really cool experience. Yeah. That was... Um I was watching the game on the replay on television, and the announcer said something that I'd never seen happen. He goes, the home team just called a timeout to quiet the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, was that two years ago? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I just know that it was uh, a big, big turnout of Shocker fans, and we'd love a big turnout of Shocker fans. That was the the game, more than any other game, obviously, KU, K-State, uh, those were probably the first two, but outside of that, play Tulsa, play Tulsa. So we started that series. I mean, it was way back when Doug Wojcik was the coach, and then Danny Manning was the coach, and now Frank Haith is in his, like, fifth year. So we've been playing Tulsa now for about eight or nine years. The, one of the first games in um, Interest Bank Arena was a Tulsa first, game. Yeah, was it first, the first yeah. one? Yeah. And I might mention, there, he's done lots of things to endear himself to Shocker fans, but he's 10-1 and one against Tulsa, which certainly, uh, certainly is uh, something that people will be happy about. Is that right? Yeah. 10-1? 10-1. And, and the one loss, you may recall, was down there, and it was Fred, Fred and Ron hurt, senior yeah. year, and Fred kind of re-injured his hamstring. He made about three threes right at the end of the first half to he was playing on Shockers, one leg, yeah, though. put the Shockers into the lead, and then it really started to bother him. And that's that's when he and that was also the same game where Landry got hurt in that game and and ended up missing the rest of the year and taking a hardship. So that was a you know, a loss, but you lost two pretty good players uh, as they've shown since in that same game. Nolan Richardson, who? <laughs> Paul Pressey, who? No, that was fun. Uh, that that program has been a tremendous program over the years, but uh, right now we have the upper hand. But I'm telling you, this is a really good Tulsa team. Uh, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I, they, they gutted out a win at UConn yesterday. Um, They've got a transfer, uh, Rochelle from LSU, who's really helped them as a three-man. Uh, Horn, Jariah Horn at the four, and obviously Igmanu, who's player of the week. So they, they play the zone. They, they pick their spots in transition. They're big. They're veteran team. When you talk about a veteran team, now they're fifth-year guys, fourth-year guys. Karita is a senior. Um, Joiner's a junior. Their point guard, Jackson's so a junior. Jackson's a junior. A they've been they, they, they've been through it, so they they have experience, and they really seem to be uh, the, them in Houston right now in first place. And they had some of those guys you mentioned, Horn and Igbanu, for instance, are guys that uh, maybe they've averaged twelve a game or something like that, but but guys that on a given night have shown the ability to just explode for twenty five, twenty eight, whatever it may yeah, be. Horn can shoot it deep. He can drive it. Igbanu's all around the basket, but he is a grown man. He's got to be 6'9", 250, and he's tough. He gets the ball so deep, and he's got the big, strong shoulders, and he just turns and sticks them in the basket. So our five men have a battle on their hands, and, you know, we'll have to tackle the zone on the other end. We'll have to probe it, try to get it into the middle, get it below the foul line, get some shooters free in the corners. But um, last year we played really, really well down there. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that uh, 
Actually, the first game against them last year was here. It was right after Samaje had made the reverse layup to beat SMU, and then you beat Tulsa here, and that was really the start of that, that good finishing stretch. But down there was just a, a stunner. You kind of dominated from start to finish and won by 21 points. Yeah. We, well, we played really, really well, and we shot it in the basket. And sometimes that covers up a lot of other negative things that your team might be doing. But we were on a heater that night, and uh, guys were making shots off from all over the place. And I just remember it was a little easier than I thought it would be down there last year. And certainly you've got some guys that haven't seen it yet, but you mentioned the Tulsa zone's a little bit different, a little bit unusual. Uh, you feel better about having some guys like JB and Eric, for instance, that will handle the ball a lot that have seen it a couple of times. Yeah, and, and Grant's a very good passer, and but they're going to all have to be ready to make some shots. You know, Dex and, and Tyson Etienne, we're going to have to get it down low sometimes, and Jamie and Mo and Asbjorn, poor bear, are going to have to go to work. And then we're going to have to get some second-chance opportunities. Trey Wade and those guys are going to have to chase the ball down. And if we miss, it's hard to check out in the zone. So if we miss, we need to have an opportunity to get a second and even a third opportunity to score. And you mentioned earlier, uh, kind of interesting, because they are a fairly talented offensive team, but uh, from what you said, they're not a team that necessarily tries to push it a lot. They don't play a real fast pace. No, they really run their stuff, and they don't get in a hurry. And uh, so we'll have to understand that the possessions will be measured. All right. We, uh, we're going to take a break, come back, talk a little bit more about the conference in general. But, again, that game is at 5 o'clock Saturday in Tulsa. Good seats still available. We look forward to seeing you down there. And we'll be right back on the Greg Marshall Show. Welcome back to AJ's, and glad to have you with us on this Monday night. Coming up at the top of the hour, it will be women's basketball with head coach Keith Adams and Steve Strain, and that's kind of our normal lineup on Monday nights, Coach Marshall 6-7 to seven, and Coach Adams 7-8. to eight. We're also going to be getting into baseball and softball shows soon. We'll have lots of activity here on Monday night. Keep in mind, Monday nights are burger nights at AJ's where you get deals on your burgers so a lot of reasons to come out and join us i uh, wanted to mention that uh, some people have brought up the fact coach you did have a recruit in on saturday people were aware of that you're in a situation where you have one senior and you've signed a young man so essentially it's filled so you have kind of the luxury of recruiting ahead a little bit the young man that was here is a, a 2021 graduate but always keeping your eyes open because you never know what may develop between now and next year absolutely just we're grinding we're out recruiting this week and uh making sure that we've got our bases covered in case there's an opportunity to to sign someone in the spring uh we hope there's not but you never know and I just mentioned that uh, this young man was not from the area, came from a ways, and it's always nice to bring somebody into an atmosphere like he was able to see here on Saturday. Let's just say they really enjoyed the atmosphere. And it was, you know, just the crowd was good. It wasn't one of our best crowds, but it was a good crowd. It was a typical shocker crowd, but it wasn't like it is for you know, the Memphis game or the VCU game. And um, But they were blown away by just the, the place being packed and the energy as the ball was tossed. 
At this point, you're just seven games into an 18-game conference schedule, but you start looking at it. You've got five home games left, six on the road. Five of the six road games are against teams that are in the top 67 right now in the NCAA net. So as well as it's gone, I know that certainly you're making your players aware that those little details that you're working on are going to be really important with the quality of the schedule you have yeah, still coming. Got 11 more opportunities. You know, you can win or lose. We're 17-3, and three, so... You just got to try to win as many of those as you can, and um, I think that'll put us in a good position if we do that. But if we don't, you know, then we'll be scratching and clawing trying to get in. And certainly, uh, some of the things you've you've talked about. Uh, this is the time of year for those start to to come to fruition. Those those little. Uh, Cutting down on the little silly mistakes, the, the turnovers, the, the questionable shots, some of those kinds of things that can really make a difference as, as your schedule gets tougher. Yeah, with, uh, without a doubt, Mike. We're just – and every day I ask them, how, how, how good do you want to be? Do you, you want to be pretty good or do you want to get really, really good or you want to be great or – you have to decide. And, and it's, again, it's not the team that makes the most spectacular plays that wins. Oftentimes – it's the team that makes the least amount of boneheaded plays that wins. And I know last year at this time, you still weren't quite sure what you were going to get from that team, a very young team, as it turned out, a, a pretty positive response as you went down the stretch. And are you a, a little bit at the point where as much as you've been pleased with how coachable this group has been, you're kind of interested in finding out just where it goes from yeah, here? Uh, every day they hear it. They, 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 there's enough talent in this room to, to – to make a little run and, and, a, and a, an NCAA tournament run. and But you have to decide. You have to decide. You want to wait next year because you – but as, as you, we know, with the, you know, what happened with Kobe Bryant yesterday, there's no guarantees in life. You don't, you don't know that next year we may be better than we are this year. You know, we lose Jamie. We know that. Uh, we add Jaden Michael. But you just don't know. With that year experience, who knows what could happen. Take advantage of today. Seize what's going on, this opportunity that we have next Saturday at Tulsa. I mean, that's, that's going to be a real a sign, I think. And I, I haven't brought up this phrase for a long, long, long time, but it was something that you mentioned to me one of the first times I ever met you and talking about coming off a season, going into the next one. And you mentioned that, that your philosophy has always been you repay the price of success every year. When you came off the final four year, if anything, you were even more out on the court involved, reminding everybody that we got to start all over again and work even harder, if, if anything, to get back to where we were. Absolutely, and that's, a, that's an annual thing. Every fall, every summer, you have to repay the price of success to try to get to the point where you were last year or maybe even uh, exceed that. But right now we're in the throes of a, a season and, and every game now becomes even more difficult because once again there's a number attached to our name. And, you know, our guys didn't understand that if we lost at Temple, which we did, that those students were going to storm the court. That's how, that's how they saw the game. Obviously we didn't see it that way, but that's how they saw it. And it's a first time for many of these kids ever being ranked and having that number by your name. And it just adds to the uh, pressure to, to perform. 
And when Wichita State made this move a couple of years ago to the American Athletic Conference, certainly I know it was something that you wanted to see happen very much because even though it makes your job more difficult, you're playing really, really good competition every night, uh, you are now in a conference where if you do well, the level of the conference is going to help you get those at-large bids that were a little more difficult a few years ago. Well, you mentioned it. Uh, five of our six road games are against teams that are going to be in the top 67 uh, right now in the net, which makes them uh, quadrant one games. And, you know, you, you don't have to, in this type of league, you don't have to be perfect or even very nearly perfect in order to get an at-large bid. And, and some leagues, like the Big South where I was previously and maybe even the Missouri Valley Conference now, you almost have to be perfect as a non-conference team and even in the conference if you expect to not win the conference tournament championship and still get in. And maybe not, to some extent, gamble a little bit with your non-conference schedule. Certainly you still try to schedule as well as you can, play very good opponents, build that part of your schedule, but it's, it's not as totally dependent on that as it has been at times in the past. No, no, but again, we, we try to play the best non-conference schedule that we can. This year we finished like 11-1, and and um, you know, that, that, that gave us a little bit of a – a checking account, a balance in our checking accounts, what I told the players. You know, you lose a game, you haven't bounced a check yet. You lose several, and you're in danger of bouncing a check, and we certainly don't want to do that. And certainly I know you keep track of those teams you played this past weekend. It was a pretty good weekend for, for some of those previous opponents. Yeah, I think seven and four previous uh, opponents, non-conference, after South Carolina was the last team to win at, against Vandy and um, – you and know, you mentioned two of them played each other, so somebody right, had to lose. Right. So. I think Abilene Christian and Central Arkansas. But, you know, you just want those teams to do as well as you can. You always pull for the teams that you play in non-conference to do well because it just, and at the end of the day, it, it improves your net. You know, we have just a moment, and the first time I was asked to mention it, it was not a particularly good time because that was the, uh, the Temple-Houston stretch. But uh, there are opportunities to travel with you this summer. You're going right, to, right. to Europe, and I, I know that you at some point kind of wanted to mention that certainly you'd like to have people go along. Yeah, we have a trip this summer in August, early August, where we're going to go to uh, uh, Denmark, Copenhagen, and the area where uh, Asbjorn is from. And we're going to stay on the water there. We're going to play at least one game in, in Copenhagen. And then we're going to go to Barcelona. And we're going to play three games there. So the trip is 10 days. And um, the gentleman who's putting the trip together has been to Wichita twice uh, since we agreed to do this and is literally working to get fans to go along. And, you know, he asked me today uh, – one more time, he goes, now, what type of access are these fans are going to have? Obviously, they can go to the games. They can come to practice. Uh, we'll practice at least once or twice while we're over there. They can stay in the same hotel. There'll be at least one night where we all go to dinner together. Uh, so it's going to be basically like traveling with the team uh, on, a, on a foreign tour for 10 days to two different countries, beautiful cities, and uh, it, it – Every time I've been on these trips, I think I've taken four now as a head coach, mostly to South America or south of the Southern Hemisphere. I went to Brazil. I went to Australia and New Zealand. I went to Chile. Um, but this last one was to Canada. 
this one is going to be to Europe for the first time, and I cannot wait to go. And, and my family's going to go, and we're going to. Uh, it's a it's a time to bond as a team, and all of the, other than Jamie, everyone should be coming back unless we lose one or two. The bottom line is it's a it's try to help our team get ready for the following year, and bond as a group and become closer and it should be a great opportunity so if anyone's interested they can get in touch with our office at 978-3252 and just at that point my staff will tell them exactly where they need to go to look at it online or, or make a phone call Best of both worlds, you get to go to one of the most beautiful parts of the world and see some Shocker basketball and mingle with the team while you're there. So, Coach, thank you, and we'll see you Saturday in Tulsa. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All right, Shocker head coach Greg Marshall. And uh, coming up at the top of the hour, head coach Keitha Adams talking Shocker women's basketball with Steve Strain. Again, the men's basketball game tips off at 5 in Tulsa, and we'll be on the air with the radio broadcast at 4. We'll be back here next Monday for the Greg Marshall Show at AJ's. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.